This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Dr. Olga Kovalchuk speaks about combating age-related disease. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Olga to the stage. Apparently, 100,000 people a day die on this planet. So, Dr. Kovalchuk. Good afternoon, everyone. It's my real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you to Moses. Thank you to all of you for being here. It's a wonderful venue and really great opportunity to talk about a very interesting topic. I think I'll overgeneralize if I'll say aging interests every one of us, right? Because obviously no one really wants to age. So let's really be right on target and talk about personalized approaches to combat aging and what's most importantly, age-related diseases. Well, if we try to discuss what is aging, in social terms, aging is actually referred to in context of society where we are at. So in developed countries, we usually sort of go at around retirement age and would say, well, you know, age of retirement is that margin where we start talking about aging population. In developing world, it's a little bit different because there they would actually define aging at the time when an individual uh, stops being able to make a sizable contribution to a given society. So it is slightly different. In biological terms, though, it is very similar because it's actually a biological process, a process of becoming older. It's a process that genetically determined and environmentally modulated. So essentially, unfortunately, as we know it, it is a process what we could call progressive deterioration of physiological functions that results in, unfortunately, intrinsic loss of viability and increase in vulnerability. So it is, you know, aging, the word aging still has a negative connotation. So even though we want to say, well, you know, everything that ages gets better, like wine. So wine is a good analogy. Old computer isn't. So, yeah, we would want to refer to ourselves, you know, good, we get wiser, we get better, we get smarter. Hope so. The interesting philosophical question for me is when does aging begin? So if you look at the stages of life here, starting from conception, birth, childhood, adulthood, elderhood, senescence, death, 
Well, when does aging start? That's actually, again, yet another philosophical question. And why is it important? Because it is very important to figure out when do we start anti-aging approaches. And essentially, they can be reactive or proactive. I would say reactive is, well, you know, if we consider that aging starts sometime around our times, right? You know, we all are aging. Some of us, you know, more so than the others. So we have to react to that. We have to do something for us. So that is essentially reactive. If we were to talk about being proactive, then healthy aging, think about it, starts at conception. It actually starts even before conception. Some of my colleagues look at effects of exposures, early life or preconceptional exposures of parents on later on life of their children. So if we want to have a healthy aging population, we have to start with healthy children, essentially. But that's, that's not going to help us. We're already here. If we talk about, you know, we are scientists and, you know, I'm an academic as well, so I have to lecture you a little bit. So background knowledge, aging, there are theories of aging. Of course, there is genetic theory. It is in our genes. But then, of course, and we have heard about that a little bit today, there is connective tissue theory, there is free radical theory. Connective tissue talks about our connective tissues like bones, like cartilage, sort of veering off and losing its rigidity, losing its capacity to actually sort of keep up our organisms. Free radicals our cells divide, we live in the environment where there is a lot of oxygen and we are made. A lot of our bodies made of water, so th those are sources of free radicals. Free radicals are damaging, so they damage our tissues, again, causing aging. Immunological theory, our immune system wears out, so all of those are also theories. But there is one interesting thing in common about them. So if we were to look at them from the side, those theories actually all merge together, and I would call them epigenetic theory. Coming up after the break. What is epigenetics is that grammar of life. It's that stylistics is pretty much what governs which genes are expressed and how. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Dr. Olga Kovalchuk. For more information about Idea City or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Dr. Olga Kovalchuk speak about combating age related disease. The word epigenetics was mentioned by my colleagues a couple of times. So what is epigenetics and why are we so interested in it in aspect of age and in age-related disease? Well, genetics, as I like to say, is an alphabet of life. And I believe that if we really tried, even though it's the end of the day, probably within five to ten minutes, we all could in chorus very nicely recite Russian alphabet from A to the very last letter which is yeah, and then backwards. But then I'll try to say a couple of words to you as the word, by example, starenia, which means agent in Russian. Does it mean you can speak Russian? You just recited the alphabet. No, you can't. So essentially, what is epigenetics is that grammar of life. It's that stylistics is pretty much what, what governs which genes are expressed and how. 
So it is the sum of those mechanisms that are necessary to unfold the genetic program that we have to unfold it in a proper and a very organized way. Because each of our cells, just look at your hand. Can you see the cells? Anybody can see the cells? No, you can't. Nope. Not without a microscope, and you can definitely not see the nuclei. But each of those cells in their nuclei have a lot of DNA, about this much, really arranged in a very intricate way, packaged in a very organized manner. Not like teenager's closet, like shove it all in. Keep the doors closed, open, ah. No, everything is in a very organized way, accessible and fully functional. So this is the way we talk, when we talk about epigenetics. So if all of that DNA is controlled and only certain genes are active in certain times in certain tissues. So this is the science of epigenetics, which actually, as Dr. Choka said, controls gene expression. Look at these beautiful mice. They're all different, right? Aren't they? Well, genetically, they are absolutely the same. Their genes, if we were to extract DNA, not know which DNA belongs to which mouse, I don't think there will be too many scientists who will be able to tell you which one is which without looking at very, very specific marks. Because if you just look at the very bare sequence, they are the same. It is on the level of epigenetic controls that they are different. Different enough to make them differently predisposed to uh, obesity, to cancer, as well as manifestations of diabetes. So epigenetic changes occur in the way, or kind of, you know, they govern how the genes are expressed, how genes manifest. And you're saying, so what? It's important because they are pliable. Epigenetics is a science of hope. You cannot really change your genes, unfortunately. You know, mutation is there, it's very difficult, it has to be lots of red tape, lots of approvals for, you know, for essentially for modifying, genetically modifying humans. Not yet. Not in the future. But epigenetics is pliable, it gives hope. Epigenetic modifications, actually very, very simple ones, such as, by example, as reported in this study quite some time ago, maternal supplementation is, well, you know, not only maternal can also be done on the adult animals, but for the sake of uh, just clarity here, maternal supplementation with choline, folate, B12, zinc, those are vitamins and minerals, can actually turn animals from this, you know, yellow that have high cancer risk and diabetes and obesity and actually reduce lifespan to nice and healthy and goody mice that will have low risk of cancer, low risk of diabetes, as well as extended uh, life expectancy. So epigenetics gives us hope. Epigenetics allows us to devise some strategies. But epigenetic controls gene expression. Coming up after the break. There is more cancer on the way, and what can we do? And we work in collaboration with a group of scientists all over the world on developing a platform that is called OncoFinder. It's a very unique approach that enables us to model the activity of anti-cancer drugs in an individual cancer. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Dr. Olga Kovalchuk. Idea City is a program of talks about the world's biggest ideas, featuring the world's smartest people. 
For more information about the three-day Idea City live conference or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the air. You're listening to Dr. Olga Kovalchuk speak about combating age-related disease. When we talk about aging, what is important is, of course, the relationship between aging and age-related diseases, such as cancer, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, propensity to stroke, cardiovascular disorders, musculoskeletal diseases, you name it. So all of those essentially are problems in the aging population, and those are the ones, not just age in itself, those manifestations we want to fight. Essentially, I think the announcement by the Canadian Cancer Society partially slightly reshaped my talk. You have probably heard that, you know, bad news, which was all over the news in the recent couple of weeks, that Canadian aging demographics will push Canada cancer rate up 40%. So we're really up for kind of really bad surprise. And this is a quote from Canadian Cancer Society. Canada's rapidly aging population, four in one Canadians will be 65 or older by 2030, could push the country beyond its capacity to provide adequate care for cancer patients. That is bad news, guys. That is kind of you know, really bad news. So there is more cancer on the way, and what can we do? Well, there is a lot of research going on, and I will tell you a little bit about sort of you know our pitch there. So I am not only an academic at the University of Lethbridge, I'm also involved with is one of the founders of Canada Cancer and Aging Research Laboratories, which is a research company. And we work in collaboration with a group of scientists all over the world on developing a platform that is called OncoFinder. It's a very unique approach that enables us to model the activity of anti-cancer drugs in an individual cancer. So essentially, we hope what we want to do, and I'll show you a couple of things what we can do already, is to get the best possible drug to each individual patient. And so we, you know, I'm not going to go in very much in detail on the algorithm it, it analyzes, but this is a very, very powerful approach, and we really hope it will become handy in trying to combat the problems of cancer that we are facing. So this is actually a team. We work together. Those are our partner companies, Passive Pharmaceuticals uh, in Silicon Medicine, centers all over the world. So for now, it is a collaboration between Hong Kong, Moscow, Baltimore, and uh, Lathbridge here in Canada. And the problem we are tackling is the problem of individualized care for cancer. Because like none of us, I, I don't see any identical twins here, so all of us are very different. And like we all are different, no two individual diseases are the same, no two cancers are the same. Even if they are the same, assigned the same histological grade or the same um, you know, type or subtype. Still, there are different genes that operate in each cancer. Some will be very similar, but some will be different. Different enough to ensure that one cancer versus the other cancer will have slightly different response to treatments. And sometimes that slight will make a difference in responding or non-responding. So what we're trying to do, we're trying to tailor the treatment approaches to each individual cancer. And the idea 
is out there. There was this great publication about the so-called 3R principle, which was published in Nature Reviews Clinical Oncology, whereby the research were talking about these three R's, resistance, response, and risk. So for each individual patient, we need to figure out which specific drug will be likely to work, likely to not work, and likely to present adverse effects. So based on those, we have to weigh in and find the best drug out of the array of drugs that we currently have. So those are many, many, many genes that are expressed in each different cell and in each different cancer. So making sense of this can help us give the best recommendations on which drugs to use to combat that specific gene expression pattern. Coming up after the break. So when the first drug was given, it was a significant improvement. The person who was given less than two months to live already lived a year. So as far as I know, there is still continuing improvement going on in this individual. And you're talking about stage four cancer, that one is spread all over. You're listening to Idea City on the Air, brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Dr. Olga Kovalchuk. Get the latest Idealist news, presenter information, and watch hundreds of talks at ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. We now conclude Dr. Olga Kovalchuk's talk on combating age-related disease. What OncoFinder does, it looks at all of those intricate pathways, uses mathematical algorithms, and matches the pathways that each of the known drugs targets, because we know which pathways each drug targets. So you know, say, okay, these drugs are expressed. The, these pathways are active here. These drugs counteract these pathways. We have a match. So by, you know, it's a little bit more complicated, but for the sake of clarity, we can then assign so-called drug efficacy scores. And based on those drug efficacy scores, we can predict which drugs will work and which ones will not. I will give you just two examples. They really speak for themselves, for the power of this specific approach. Clinical case one, there was a patient, 24-year-old. They shouldn't die. It's way too young. Synovial sarcoma, stage four. Parents lost all the hope because the kid didn't really respond to any treatment. So they approached the partner company, Passive Pharmaceuticals, who have done profiling using OncoFinder and identified top drugs. So when the first drug was given, there was a significant improvement. Later, there was recurrence in three months, yet second drug was given, resulted in some temporary improvement, yet another relapse, but then the third drug was given. But in between, the person who was given less than two months to live already lived a year. So as far as I know, there is still continuing improvement going on in this individual. And you're talking about stage four, cancer, that one is spread all over. Second one, again, 43-year-old male, cancer of unknown primary, worst case scenario. You find the metastasis, you don't know where it comes from. So what was done, analysis was done, and based on that analysis, A, they were able to say that this is most likely origin is kidney cancer, and the drugs that can be used to treat it are the ones that were listed. So based on that, again, he was started on the regimen, and as quickly as within three months, there was already an improvement. So if one tailors the response, then there are no hopeless cases, which is very important. 
Of course, those, those are just the two cases, and there is a long way to go, and even though I know we have a prom today, guess what? Homework is still on the table. <laughs> But, well, homework is still on the table for us because, of course, you know, after we talk and present, we still go back home and continue doing what we were doing just because we think it's the right thing to do. So, right now, with this specific program, what we're trying to do is team up with the University of Calgary researchers, Tom Baker Cancer Center, uh, and do clinical trials for adult cancers, for pediatric cancers. We are repurposing the platform to one that's called OncoFinder, to one that will be called MS Direct, the one that will be finding the best possible drugs for multiple sclerosis patients out of the disease-modifying drugs that are available right now. We also do metagenomics. We will develop Alzheimer's program. And most recently, we started in collaboration with my academic partners, Dr. Brian Kolb. We are looking at the cognitive effects of cancer treatments in the, as a function of age because treatments also actually can influence aging and cause aging. And last but not least, if you are interested in epigenetics, there is an interesting book which was co-written by my husband who's also here and myself. And there is a lot of information and, but at least it also provides hope. You can change the genes. Thank you. Thank you, Olga. Thank you. It's always interesting to see where the theory meets the practice. Thank you. And uh, what is your sense of what kind of time frame are we in to this struggle to defeat aging? Well, in terms of defeating cancer, we are very close to you know, clinical trials. And if it goes, then we hope within several years we'll be able to actually have it available kind of in front of every doctor before every patient goes on treatment. In terms of aging, I think if we go epigenetic route and look at metagenomics and vitamin supplementation, we will also be relatively close. Well, I, I believe in epigenome. All right. Let's have a picture. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.